Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Buery, and as always, I'm with someone who knows how energy moves across our planet, Dr. Lucy Jones. Today's episode is sponsored in part by SoCal Gas, who's committed to building resilience in the communities it serves. We also thank our individual supporters to help underwrite the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Would you consider sponsoring this podcast for as little as $5 per month? Because your support enables us to serve even more communities. Simply go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search Dr. Lucy Jones. And now, let's get to it. In December of 2021, Netflix released a dark satire about the end of the world based on an asteroid colliding with Earth. The basic premise is that two scientists discover this planet killer and begin an effort to get world leaders, particularly the U.S. president, played by Meryl Streep, who, Lucy, you have been compared to. Some have said Meryl Streep of government service as a descriptor for you, but I digress. The point is, no one takes the scientists seriously, and the world does in fact end. Now, let me start by saying, yes, this is a movie. And yes, it's hyperbole and entertainment. It does, though, raise important issues around our understanding of what science is and how it's communicated and used. Lucy, the biggest question around disaster movies generally is, can this actually happen? So let's start with the ability for a large asteroid to hit Earth. Can it? Absolutely. Meteors hit the Earth all the time. I said asteroid, you said meteor. Can you just explain the difference between an asteroid and a meteor? An asteroid is a block of rock in space. A meteor is a block of space rock that comes into the Earth's atmosphere. And a meteorite is one that makes it all the way to the surface of the Earth. So meteors come in lots of sizes. And just like every other disaster phenomenon, there are lots of little ones, some moderate sized ones, and a very few really big ones. And our colleagues in astronomy have mapped out the space debris, these pieces of rock and ice that dot the solar system. And we know we will intersect with one of the bigger ones again at some point. You say again, and you're referring to that asteroid that wiped out the dinosaurs? That's right. We didn't always realize that could happen. It was actually when I was in graduate school in 1980, there were two new scientific studies published. One was from a German Earth scientist about animal anomalies before earthquakes with a theory as to what they might be responding to. The other was by Luis and Walter Alvarez, who proposed that the end of the dinosaurs was caused by an asteroid hitting Earth. Both of these proposals were considered pretty outrageous and were the subject of a lot of debates at the afternoon coffee in the Earth Science Department there at MIT. The Animal Anomaly paper had a reasonable model to explain it and at least looked possible. It suggested that the animals were reacting to electrical signals and we can go out and try to measure those. In fact, we did, we didn't find them and the whole thing sort of faded away. The asteroid theory actually seemed even more outrageous. A fundamental principle of geology is that you shouldn't invoke a catastrophe to explain something if a gradual existing process will work. And an asteroid strike was sort of the definition of catastrophism. And there were lots of ways we could prove this wrong. And we did go out to prove them wrong, we meaning the earth science community. But it turns out they were right. And all those things we looked for proved them right, not wrong. So we know it can happen because it has happened before. We also know the general impact of what it can do because it's what happened to the dinosaurs. Right. So the fundamental observation that the Alvarezes were trying to explain was a layer of clay found at many places around the world at the boundary between the Mesozoic and Cenozoic rocks. That's the time when the dinosaurs disappeared. 
And this clay had been reported as being found at several different sites at the boundary and had a high level of iridium. This is important because iridium is a very uncommon material on Earth, but it was quite common in asteroids that we'd been able to analyze. So the Alvarezes hypothesized that the iridium in an asteroid was vaporized when the asteroid hit land and all that material went up into the atmosphere. There had to have been a lot to be deposited around the world and that the dust blocked out the sun, plants died, and that killed the animals who no longer had food. But this sort of model has a lot of ways to prove the hypothesis wrong. First, we should see this clay at most places where we have that geologic boundary. I think the original Alvarez paper had only like seven sites. That seemed easy to test. We could go out, look at all those, every place we had the boundary, and guess what? We found at least some of that iridium-rich clay at just about all of the sites. Second, there needs to be a crater. To put that much dust into the atmosphere, the asteroid cannot hit in deep water because then you don't vaporize all of those rocks. The water would be absorbing the rock particles. A decade after the original paper, a crater in the Yucatan in Mexico called Chicxulub was identified as the source of all of that iridium-rich clay. Dating showed that it had been created at the right time, and therefore we could say that iridium really was from the asteroid. But third, if the extinctions happen because of the asteroid and the removal of food because of the removal of sunlight, bigger animals, which need more food, would be more likely to go extinct. And as people went and analyzed the data, that's exactly what we did find. So this theory came to be accepted because like all good theories, it explains many different types of data. So what you're saying is that the real asteroid strike that did occur on Earth did not instantaneously kill everything, like we saw in this movie, Don't Look Up. Based on the story of the movie, would the impact be as they described, Lucy? That's, I think, what dogs me. First, if it hit the water, would there really be a mile-high tsunami around the world, as they claim? No. There would be a tsunami, but it would be about the size of the biggest tsunamis we see from earthquakes. Just calculate the amount of water displaced, the volume of a six-mile sphere versus the volume of water pushed up along a fault, and it comes out in the same ballpark as the really biggest tsunamis. So how would it compare to the energy released during an earthquake then, this impact from an asteroid? The total energy probably would be bigger than any earthquake we've had, and the energy would all be released at the Earth's surface. So there would be a pressure wave through the air as that meteor comes in that potentially could be felt around the world, but it wouldn't be destruction around the world. What if it, say, hit Southern California, where we're based? Describe what would be expected if we knew this asteroid was coming, and it was coming right for Orange County, for instance. Okay, first we get our sonic boom as this thing comes really fast through the atmosphere that would be heard over a very wide area. Southern California itself would cease to exist. The impact crater at Chicxulub is over 100 miles across. So if the asteroid hit in northern Orange County, everything from Santa Barbara to San Diego would be vaporized. There would be quite large seismic waves spread out from that, and those would probably be large enough to be damaging buildings in Las Vegas, but not all the way in New York. Now, all those vaporized Southern California rocks would be ejected into the atmosphere, creating a planet-wide cloud that would block out the sun. For the dinosaurs, it probably took many years to really wipe out the food supply. And it didn't completely wipe out the food supply because 25% of species did survive through that time. I am pretty sure that modern human beings could figure out a way to grow food in greenhouses and using other technologies so we would not die out as a species. 
even beyond the impact zone where everybody dies, there probably would be a lot of death depending on how equitably we would be able to distribute the scarce resource of engineered food. But unlike the fantasy of the movie, we wouldn't wipe out all of humanity with this energy wave of destruction that just sort of goes across continents and the globe. It'd take many years to see the damage and destruction that would be called, quote, a planet killer. But there's a reason that the movie used a sudden impact, right? Not a gradual one. And that's the same reason we don't act on climate change. Exactly. Disasters that happen suddenly scare us more than the gradual ones. This movie was a satire. Take the current situation and make it more extreme so we can see the conflicts and issues. Making the disaster a quick one really changes the subliminal emotional reaction and allows us to see how ridiculous it is that we are facing wide-scale disruption and are unwilling to deal with it. Well, we'll leave it there for now. And until next time, I'm John Bwery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a supporter at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones.